The Everyman Podcast, the place where real men talk. Hello, good evening and welcome to the Everyman Podcast. Tonight we have a very special guest. We have Tim Harkness, the head of sports science and psychology at Chelsea Football Club. Tim is an expert in all things elite performance and psychology. Boys, how excited are we to have Tim on the podcast tonight? I'm over the moon, Lewis. I'm over the moon. Our first guest, whilst you had a drop out last week, um, you know, and obviously there's nine of us guys as well. So I've had to fight off six other guys to get a place yet. Have a chat with Tim as well, just to try yeah. and pick his brain. So looking forward to seeing what he's got to see. You know, someone who's um, who's been in the league game for a while now. I think uh, reading from his profile and sort of looking at his background, he's been at Chelsea from up to around 14 years now. So it'll be be good to pick his brain. I'm looking forward to it, Lou. What about you, Dean? Yeah. Oh, exactly, the, exactly the same, mate. Especially being a massive fan of football and him being at one of the top clubs in 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 the in the world, really, Chelsea Football Club. Maybe not this season, but uh, you know, normally, um, really keen to pick his brains on, um, you know, how the the everyman and the elite athlete sort of, you know, are different, but also maybe similar in in, in some ways as well. Uh, so super keen to uh, see what he has to say. To be honest. Yeah, me too. Well, let's kick it off. Good evening, Tim. Tim, how are you doing tonight? Yeah, very good, thanks. Very nice to be here. Thanks for having me. No, we're very happy to have you on the pod tonight. You're actually technically our first guest. We have lots of guests okay. booked in. Oh, wow. We have... Oh. Yeah, no pressure here, by the way. We have lots of guests booked in. Uh, we were supposed to have a guest last week who dropped out last minute. So you es- essentially get the title of the Everyman Podcast's first ever guest. Thank you. So Thank congratulations you. on that one. Looking forward to it. Yeah, so what we're going to talk about tonight, Tim, and why we wanted you on the podcast is essentially to talk through um, the difference of the everyman, which is us, and elite athletes. So do you want, do you mind telling us and the listeners a little bit about what you do in your day job, your, your day-to-day life? And then I'll provide some sort of context of what the podcast is going to be about. Okay. All right. Well, you know, I'm, I'm a psychologist, so I, I started off life, well, started off my professional life as a, a normal counseling psychologist working yeah. in a private practice uh, out of a back room in my house in Durban in South Africa and and have always sounds like same as you always been interested in sport and dreamt of working in elite sport and you know kind of got this um, amazing out of the blue opportunity to work at Chelsea Football Club uh, and have been there for the last 14 years Wow. Um, and just had, you know, an incredible experience of learning from people and and seeing things from behind the scenes. Um, at the same time, I'm a, a a kind of keen squash club player. So you know, I've I've played squash pretty much forty years now, and still got a lot to learn, and and still you know <laughs> running around. So um, so that's the everyman side of things. Yeah, it, it's really interesting you say that. So when you're talking about yourself in a sport, obviously everyone would think Tim's at Chelsea, he must play foot, play football, but you're saying squash. How do you compare in, in squash? Like, are you a, close to an elite level squash player or are you as bad as possibly we are? <laughs> well, you know, the thing in squash is, unless you're a very small 
in a very, very small minority. There's always someone better than you and there's always someone worse than you. So yeah. I'm in that category. <laughs> okay. Um, but I, I do love the game and I play it a lot and I think about it and I, I really enjoy it, you know. So I'll, I'll, I'll say, I, you know, in terms of how much I love it, yeah, I, I'm probably above average, put it that way. Yeah, <laughs> I can safely say I am. I can safely say I'm below average. I can safely say that one on squash. I'd say in this podcast, you're above average. I mean, <laughs> yeah. If you play the game, you know, if you play the game, you're probably above average. <clears throat> yeah, possibly actually. Yeah. I would also like Lewis is below average at squash. Um, <laughs> just to let oh, there no, he is below average. I'm not going to bring up he is. Not best. You're seconding that. You're not having any. Yeah. I'm not. I'm, I'm not you're not triggering that. I'm. I'm not saying yeah. losers the best either. <laughs> Thanks, mate. That's that's really nice yeah. of you. There. Right now, we're clear on that. Exactly. Yeah. So, Tim, what we would like to go through next a little bit um, is probably around your your personal story. So, you have touched on it. You initially started as as you say a regular psychologist, and you and you've got yourself into the, the position that you are now. You're working at Chelsea Football Club, which is more around the sports science as well as just obviously psychology. Um, Tell me how you got into that. What what did your early career look like, and 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 to where you are today, really? Yeah. Um, well, I, I started off as a, a scuba diving instructor. That was my first job. Um, yeah. It was kind of my my university job, and and I loved it. But I I think it really taught me a lot because it's it's working with people, it's working under pressure situations. And I know I was having a family dinner once when I and I was I was a diving instructor when I was twenty years old, and a, a couple of the older generation in my family were were executives and businesses, and I said to them, "I've got a higher stress job than you have," and they both kind of laughed at me and thought, "Well, what's stressful about that?" But you know, when yeah. you've got eight people underwater that you're responsible for, um, you definitely need to be paying attention and you need to be following processes. So. I think that was definitely part of my formative experience was talking to groups of people, teaching people, and then also being very aware of what could go wrong, having contingency plans and, and just kind of keeping a very tight control of things. But then also developing this ability to be very calm under pressure um, mm -hmm. because, you know, you're in literally life-threatening situations. Um, you know, I, I got into a bit of cave diving and wreck diving. And, you know, some of that is you, you, cannot, you cannot afford to make mistakes. Yeah. So, um, and, and then, then I, I, I originally wanted to be a marine biologist, um, but I, I flunked out of the course. I, I didn't get good enough marks through not working hard enough, amongst other things. Um, yeah. And then sort of went into psychology and and ended up a psychologist. Um, and then, like I said, you know, always had this love of sport that I, I probably mainly got from my dad, you know, playing sport with my dad, watching sports on TV with my dad. You know, th that was really probably where it started and, and you know, learned a lot from him. Um, and then kind of, you know, I think that's where it began. Yeah, now that's that. That that kind of resonates with a lot of people, though. Where you you had that idea in your head of being a marine biologist, and obviously you've had to make a career pivot based on some yep. of your your life experiences, and maybe you didn't put the grades in, or as you say, you didn't work quite as hard. 
How did you find that? If you reflect back on that sort of period of, in your life, and lots yeah. of our listeners may be in that sort of stage in their life where you have that that thought, I'm going to do something, but actually yes. life gets in the way and then you have to make a, a different yeah, yeah. career choice. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that, that was, it was quite a shock, you know, and, yeah. and, and looking back, it took me some time to mature. You know, I was quite a naive I don't know, student or, or young man, I, I, I sort of look back and, and think, you know, how did I, I, I didn't have good processes in terms of yeah. actually getting through a degree. Um, and I didn't really, I didn't have the ability to concentrate well. I couldn't organize myself. I couldn't motivate myself. So I definitely mm -hmm. feel like I lacked those skills. And it took me quite a long time in life to start to understand those. Yeah. Um, you know, and now I think in a way, the fact that I was bad at it in the beginning has almost made me better at it now because I've had to yeah. sort of consciously develop those skills. It wasn't something that came naturally to me. Um, but then, you know, I, I mean, I, I'll still remember the phone call when they said to me, you haven't made it onto the course. And and that was it was a big shock. You know, that was a it was a big dream of mine. I mean, I, I wanted to study great white sharks. You know, th that's that's what I wanted to do. I couldn't really imagine anything else. And I mean, certainly hadn't thought of being a psychologist. I mean, you know, what, hmm. what 22 year old young man wants to be a psychologist? So, <laughs> I don't know. Career, maybe yeah. Sorry. Sorry. It's quite a career, career flip, isn't it, Tim? Really? When you're going from one extreme to another, you know what I mean? It was. It was. Yeah. Um, see, I, I do get that. Right. But I can also see, and I'm, I'm about to compare an elite, footballer to a great white shark here so i'm, I'm right. doing something special to try and link them here right, right. No, but if you think of what a great white shark is right it is the elite fish is it a fish yeah, i presume yeah. it's a fish yeah, yeah. i am not i am not a marine biologist <laughs> for all listeners technically um, it's not quite a fish but it's a cartilaginous fish but but yes i knew that a whale. <laughs> up there mate he is not a marine biologist. Lewis is not a marine biologist, Tim. Just to let you and know. And neither am I. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but, but, but I suppose it's, is it that level of interest of, and yeah. this is me trying to link something that maybe isn't there. But No, it's a good point. Like it they are the point. elite. It, you yeah, didn't yeah. want to study goldfish or you didn't want to study yes. clownfish. Yeah. It was it was something that was actually like, yeah. wow, there, there's there's a prestige I can imagine within marine biology of studying the great white, white sharks. You weren't just studying the everyday yeah. fish. It's true. You know, I I never thought of that before. Um, yeah. But I, I, I think you're right. I, I think you got something there. And, you know, and I said my dad was the one who introduced me to um, – to sport and my mom was the one who really sort of I mean I, I struggled at school you know I, I like I said I, I mean looking back I, I probably had you know raging ADHD and you know whatever else you would call it and mm -hmm. and looking back I think it was my mom who who sort of encouraged me to to dream and you know to to strive and yeah. and managed to help me you know not get too much of a battering from the fact that I didn't really fit in at school and you know it didn't bring the best out of me so yeah so you know th th that was probably my mom that i i wanted to study great white sharks and then <laughs> and then elite athletes yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> mm. yeah so boys i'm not sure about you what does your ethan dean what does your past is there any sort of um similarities between any life challenges that you guys have had where you've had to make a bit of a pivot 
Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll start first with that, right, Dean. So, um, Tim, you know, I appreciate you sharing there. And and I think for me personally, my mum was a massive um, person behind me throughout my whole life. I was unfortunately not lucky enough to have sort of my, my dad around. He was sort of in the background a lot, wasn't really bothered. You know, he didn't really take me to sporting events. I was lucky enough to have great grandparents and things like that. But, you know, having a mother behind is, I think her being the mum and dad to me, it's just a financial and um, big struggle for her, but she managed it great. And, you know, I think I wouldn't be in the position I am, like I say, working my current job, being here talking yeah. to you or someone who's an expert in his field. You know, this is such a, an honour to be with you. And like the fact that without her, I'd probably not be here. So she's a massive driving force. So I can definitely see where you're coming from on that side, Tim. And it's, it's really nice to hear that she was a driving force behind you, similar as my yeah. mum was throughout my life. Yeah. Yeah. Something that as well, Tim, as well. Uh, obviously, a lot of when you were saying you were working sort of in the scuba industry and obviously you went cave diving as well, things like that. When you were yeah. young, did you ever sort of have any techniques in those high stress environments that would, um, that you would maybe use or any sort of stress relief, anything like that? Especially when you're either looking after yourself in t- dangerous situations or actually yeah. when you're looking after other people in those situations. Just because yeah. when you were saying, Part of the story, and I'd just like to know if you had any sort of techniques or anything that got you through those. Yeah, well, I can actually give you quite a precise answer to that. Um, you know, my, my dad read me a story once about a scuba diver who got trapped in a fishing net, and when he was trapped, his breathing rate increased by a dramatic amount, which obviously is counterproductive. Um, and scuba diving is about breathing, and you become very aware of your breathing because you're trying not to breathe too much because if you breathe too much, you're going to use up all your air. And then you have to go back to the boat when it's much more fun to be under the sea looking at fish. And, and because you can actually see the bubbles, you, you notice the process of your breathing much more. And then there's something else which is interesting. Because you're breathing pressurized air, there's actually more, there are more oxygen molecules per lungful than you get at the surface. So you have this kind of amazing uh, experience of breathing in, and it just lasts forever. So you can just take this breath in and then just very, very slowly let it sort of drift out of your lungs. And and I think without really realizing it, scuba diving taught me how to breathe. And breathing is such a fundamental connection between your mind and your body because it is a way of – it's something that you can consciously control – but then it has this really deep um, effect on your body, which then sort of subconsciously affects your mind as well. It, it, it's a wonderful loop that happens. Um, and and I do remember once I, I I got into a when I said I used to wreck dive, I didn't do proper wreck diving. I just went into wrecks. Um, and and on one occasion I got lost inside a wreck, and I I, I didn't have a torch. I didn't have anything, and I. I was just in this room and I thought to myself, I don't know how to get out. And this is not a massive problem. You know, the the, the wreck is sort of similar in size and complexity to a double story house. So, you know, if you imagine if you were inside a house and all the lights went out, you'd kind of find your way out eventually. Um, And, and I I remember thinking to myself, okay, I'm, I'm lost. I don't know how to get out. And I looked, down and I reached down and I, I took my gauge and I thought to myself, so this is how long you've got. And this is how long you've got to solve the problem. And, and I remember my breathing became very calm. 
and wow. very relaxed and very slow. And that was a consequence of the the years of training that I'd had and years of attention that I'd paid to my breath. And and that is something I, you know, I don't scuba dive anymore. Um, but I think that was a really kind of profound lesson that I learned. And that's something I'd recommend to anybody is learn how to breathe. You know, I don't, don't care how you do it. Some people do, you know, Pilates or yoga or, you know, Tai Chi or whatever it is, or just mm -hmm. straight biofeedback or, you know, whatever, but learn how to breathe. I, I think that's a, and spend time doing it. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a really good point. So there's been times in my life, it's even when I think the times I've just had to give a presentation at work, right? I'm, I'm mm -hmm. definitely not stuck underwater, potentially life or death. But it's that times when anxiety starts to creep up a little bit and yep. you're like, oh, yep. there's a bit of pressure here. And the That's only it. way you can actually control it, you have the water trick maybe, but it's breathing. It's that ability to, in your mind, slow things down. Like As you say, you you take that deep breath. And when you, almost when you're breathing out, the process just everything slows That's down. It. You you start to That's regain it. control of your situation, don't you? Yes. And you can, you can think with clarity. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's what you're saying. It's the exhalation. Kind of magic yeah, exactly. happens in the exhalation. Exactly. That's it was it. Big That's on... definitely something that I've I've seen personally. Sorry. Yeah. No, no, I was just saying it, the the big thing recently, especially during lockdown and that as well, was the Wim Hof. The yeah, Wim, Wim Hof. Hof I was thinking that. Okay. I've, I've heard a lot about him, but what specifically are you uh, are you thinking of? Yeah. So he does a lot of cold. I'm sorry. I'm telling you how to suck eggs yeah but he does a lot of like cold water therapy and and yes. he, he does breathing techniques um and ice baths and underwater situations and there's a breathing technique um for having uh cold showers and and learn how to adapt your breath in um different situations okay. there's this like you say there's such a broad horizon of avenues he covers sort of i would just say that's yeah. just something wrong to mind there you know what i mean okay um yeah Tim, I think it would be um, silly to not ask you that question when Ethan's just um, brought up cold showers. Do yes. you have any sort of insight? Is it is there is there a benefit for taking cold showers? Is it something you've looked at before? It's yeah. definitely something I float between. Is it a good idea or not? And I've tried, yes. and it's too cold, and I get out. <laughs> yes. Well, well, you're talking to someone from Durban, South Africa. Yeah. So, um, you know, cold and me are, are not two things that originally went together. Yeah. Um, but, but I, I do think, you know, there, I mean, from a, from an, from a sports recovery point of view, there is benefit to exposing yourself to cold and, mm -hmm. you know, physi physiologically what happens is when you get cold, you get vasoconstriction. So your blood vessels constrict. And then as you warm up, they open up again and you have this kind of flushing effect. So yeah. that's why a lot of athletes after sport. Ideally, they get they're doing contrast. They're getting cold, hot, cold, hot, cold, hot. Um, mm -hmm. A cold shower is a slightly different thing, and you know I don't know if there's any particular physiological benefit to to having a cold shower, but I think learning how to control yourself under that stress, because yeah. I think you get in the cold and you can almost have a panic response. You know mm -hmm. where you want to tense up and you want to <gasps> you you want to breathe like yeah. that. And everything wants to get into your chest, and then yeah. practicing taking it down i think that's really good practice yeah so you know i i'm definitely i'm not practicing what i preach here because like i said i'm from durban and i'm used to warm water but um <laughs> yeah but for those fair. people who do it you know well done that I, I think that's good work i, I definitely feel i like will try it again yeah 
it's something that my uh, physio recommended for me because I struggle with um, tight coughs. Um, and okay. he recommended the cold bath. And, and at first, I couldn't get it. I couldn't stay in at all. But the breathing really does help just to just to calm it down. Yeah. Um, but after a yeah. while, it just feels once you've been in there for like, say, if you can get past the first minute or so, it's really? almost like you're, you're in warm water. Um, you get that sort of, you get used to it, you know. Wow. So where do you do it just in a in a bathroom or do you do it just just in a bath yeah so I've yeah. just got a bath wow. I just fill it up to be fair I don't go I can't go like under my chest so I just do waist and under um and I just do wow. five minutes when I, after I've played football um okay. which like I shouldn't really need a 10 minutes running the line uh. <laughs> Tim you're gonna find out the one thing that Dean loves is football he's a trier. Uh, he really Good. is a trial. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> sounds, sounds like sounds like me and squash. Just on the cold water immersion, by the way, one of my sporting heroes is my aunt. Uh, my aunt is seventy nine mm. years old, and she plays competitive tennis, and wow. um, and she does uh, ice baths yeah. for recovery. That's amazing. That, that is very yeah. impressive. Yeah, I do. I do rate um, a good ice bath, and I tend to go down the sea. So I'm quite close to the coast up in Newcastle, where really? and I go for about yeah. eleven minutes at a, at a time with my friend, right. uh, my fr one of my best pals, Rob and uh, Ryan. We go in, um, and I think it's I think it's amazing, like you say, for, te for techniques. Obviously, um, it's great that obviously that everyone, the more people that do, do it, the better it is for recovery. I think it's become more well known now because I don't yeah. think many people yeah. knew about it. Um, something yeah. I learned actually this week. Uh, is actually physically, if you go in, if you say if you do a big weight session and your aim is to become a bodybuilder or grow muscles, it's best not to go in up to four hours after your session because yes, it's actually, interesting. Yep. Yeah, it's human. Um, reduction in inflammation in the body and the muscles. And obviously, if you're yeah. wanting to build muscles and become this big, Hulk strong man, obviously, you're having the counter effect because it obviously stops the, the lactic acid in there and obviously the inflammation. Um, that's just something I learned recently. I mean, do, do you have any sort of insights on that? Anything, any sort of anything you can give to any of us for sort of cold water and that sort of aspect? Or yes, yes. Well, I mean, th th that is an interesting one. That you know, it's not always in your interests to to jump straight into cold water. Um, mm -hmm. I do think, by the way, you know that North Sea up at Newcastle. What? What? How beautiful! Instead, um, uh, we we all live right next to the coast as well. Do you really? We are very lucky. Yeah, yeah. we do. Very lucky. I'll I'll send you some pictures. Uh, you know, I, I my on my mother's side. I'm South African, but on my mother's side, um, her family is, was was from Newcastle. Oh, and, really? Um, we actually went up on holiday last year, uh, yeah. in last November, and I just found your beaches and and that North Sea are just so beautiful. Mm. Um, We're very lucky. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, so you know, to to answer your question about cold water immersion, th th there are protocols. Um, so, you know, I, I think I think just to keep it simple, I, I think the one idea is that it's contrast rather than just cold water. So, ideally, if you can actually go hot cold, that would be the one thing. And then the other thing is some people go super freezing, um, and. Uh, the, the alternate theory is don't go too cold, rather have it around 12 degrees and actually stand longer rather than having it naught degrees and you sort of suffering for, mm. for 30 seconds. So, you know, those are two ideas. But what I would do is uh, I think just, just do your research, make sure you've got a reputable source 
and and see what protocols are being advised. Yeah. Thank you, Tim. Thank you. Yeah, Tim, that was super helpful. And thank you very much. Definitely very insightful there. I, I feel like I have to overcome the, the cold showers. It's a pledge well, now. We should do it. Oh, it's one of those where now we've said it, I kind of have to do it, but really don't want to do well, it. I haven't said anything, but... <laughs> yeah, Tim, stay very quiet well there. Done. Well done. Yeah, yeah, if you do, well done. Yeah, very, very true. Um, so, Tim, ju just to probably move it along to where you are today. So, ob obviously, you you started off your, your early career, and you've mentioned briefly how you, you went into psychology and then into the sports side. Yeah. Do you mind telling us a little bit around what that transition was like, moving from maybe a different environment to the environment that you're in today and what, what the yeah. challenges were around that? Yeah. Um, yeah, well, maybe, you know, I'll just say for, say for starters, um, just yeah. out of respect to my employer, yeah. I can't say too much. You, of course, you know, yeah, of course. Just, just uh, you know, as any client, I, I can't really talk about the client and I, you know, of course. just because of privacy and, and, and that kind of thing. And we wouldn't expect uh, you to at all. Thanks. I think maybe when I was in private practice, mm -hmm. um, everybody who came to see me wanted to see me. Mm -hmm. um, and everybody would come into my little room and they'd sit there for an hour. And that was all yeah. very controlled. And, you know, I'd done that for uh, however long. I mean, quite a long time. Uh, I think maybe thir 13 years or something like that. And I'd mm -hmm. got quite good at it. Like that very controlled one-hour conversation with the person who wanted to speak to me. Yeah. And then when I moved into a different world, suddenly I didn't always have an hour. The person didn't always want to speak to me. Um, you know, it wasn't always in my room. And I had to learn a whole bunch of new skills. And that was that was quite an eye-opener. Um, having got to sort of a point in my career where I was starting to think, oh, I'm quite good at this. And then I, I suddenly mm -hmm. realized, oh, you've got a whole lot of new stuff to learn. Yeah. And um yeah, so so the, the, that was sort of the experience. Do you know there's there's one thing that springs and it's literally just sprung into my mind there. Have you ever seen the the program on Apple TV Ted Lasso? Please say you have. I am yes, I I've I've watched at least one episode, <laughs> a couple of yeah. episodes. So th th there's I think season 2, right? There's a there's actually a therapist or, or a sports psychologist, right? But they overemphasize the role and the, the players go in there like crying about their whole life as in like, I can't, it might be daft things like they can't pay their bills or they don't know how to do food shopping or and there's, there's loads of daft things. They do little cameo bits and then they get yeah. into the depth of it. And, yeah. and I suppose that's probably the stigma around men getting uh, help when yes. they're talking to someone professionally that where I feel there's almost that that stigma especially even me so before i ever had any sort of counseling or anything i used yeah. to think why do you need counseling why do you need help like yeah. surely you just speak to your mom or, you, or your friends and you just deal with it and you crack on but actually yeah. getting that help it's yeah. not just talking and, and going in there crying or coming up with things that you like, like you're not silly for going there and i know the program for example made it a bit of a joke out of it but yes. like there's so many benefits for for men yeah. Women as well, obviously, but for men to actually speak up because we have so much weight on our shoulders where we have to be the breadwinner uh, in society. We have to be the, the the really strong one. We have to be the one who protects everyone, like in our family and things. Subconsciously, yeah. 
I, th- I feel like a lot of men feel like they have the weight, like that sort of weight on their shoulders. Yeah. But actually having that release to sp- speak to someone like yourself or o- other professionals that are out there, what have you seen in in your... There is a question here. I know I'm talking a bit. But what have you seen in your profession, the, yeah. the benefits of men talking and, and speaking up? Yeah, yeah. Um, you know... Uh, the one funny thing is when I started as a sports psychologist, I started working in 1998 um, and and I'd been doing it for about five years. And then Ernie Els, who's a legendary South African golfer, yeah. announced that he was working with a sports psychologist. And suddenly business got better because yeah. if Ernie said he could do it, then everybody else, you know, well, then we can do it, too. So it, it was this amazing sort of change and stroke of fortune. And, and then I'd get introduced to people that say, oh, you know, on the driving range, I'd go, oh, this is Tim. He's my sports psychologist. Whereas before people were a bit more quiet about it. Yeah. Um, and, and then, you know, what I would say is something I've become really interested in because for a while people used to say sports psychologists and then they would say performance psychologists and mm-hmm. then performance expert and and there's this whole sort of performance world and and then motivational videos and blah 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 and and then it kind of there's this almost this counter movement to the performance world and in china they've got this phrase they call it the lying flat movement and it's just i'm gonna lie flat i'm not gonna do anything i'm and it's quite anti this whole aspire and strive and work and yeah. and you know i mean I, I certainly believe in rest um but something i've got interested in more recently is the notion of mental health and mental strength mm-hmm. and i think a lot of the time when we talk about mental health we're actually talking about mental strength mm-hmm. and it's good to be mentally strong for sure you know and, and if you say to me what is mental strength i'll say well it's the ability to focus it's the ability to be motivated and the ability to be, to be confident so if i have to give a presentation or right now for example what am i doing i'm doing mainly mental strength stuff you know i'm, I'm yeah. focusing i'm motivated and then i'm trying to be confident so i can sort of hold it together and and you know and say what i think and that mental strength is a choice I have to choose to do it, and it's from the inside out. It's something that I have to deliver, and it takes energy. Yeah. And were and 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 there's certain standards of mental strength. So were I to start, you know, losing concentration or messing around or talking rubbish, to some extent, I'm accountable to you, and you would, you know, you'd, you'd say, "Hey, come on, Tim. You know, sort of, you got to do a bit better here," and mm-hmm. you're allowed to ask me for more mental strength. Mm-hmm. what you can't do is ask me for more mental health. You can't ask me to be mentally healthier. That's yeah. not how mm-hmm. it works. Mm-hmm. So because, and and sometimes I may not be motivated, confident, or focused, not because of a mental strength issue, it's because of a mental health issue. And if you treat a mental health issue as if it's a mental strength issue, you're going in the wrong direction. You're going to make the situation worse. And I think okay. as men, this is something sometimes we, we're so into sort of mental strength that when mm-hmm. we struggle with our mental health, we treat it as if it's mental strength. And we say, well, I've got to choose to be mentally healthy. We think mental health comes from the inside out. And that takes us backwards. Mm. Yeah, when that's actually, a really good way of looking at it. Mental health is not a choice. Mental health is an influence. Mental health is from the outside in. It's what happens mm. to us. 
and and we've got to treat that in a totally different way. So, you know, th th that's kind of something I've been thinking about, and I find it quite a useful distinction. Yeah, yeah. I have literally never looked at it like that. So I've no. read lots of books on mental health. I've watched video after video after video. I've had counseling sessions myself. I've tried to speak up myself, those sorts of things. And I have never tried to split the two because even when you're saying it, I'm, it's resonating in my head because <laughs> I've always felt when my mental health's been bad, I just have to take more action. I just have to do more positive yes. things. And yes, yes. That, that provides a layer over the top and it might mask it, it for a bit, yeah. but that underlying issue is never addressed. That's it. Mm. Yes. And, yeah, and that's, that's so key. It's so important. And, and this is where, because in some ways, if you don't have enough mental health, mental strength, I mm -hmm. can criticize you to some extent. Mm -hmm. You know, if you don't, if you just stop doing your job right now, I'll be critical yeah. of you. I'll hold you yeah. to account. But that's not how mental health works. Mental health doesn't respond to that. And, and if we confuse mental health and mental strength, we can be judgmental of ourselves or critical of ourselves when that is neither appropriate nor helpful. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's really what I kind of wish for mental health is that we, we can understand that it is separate from choice. And because it's separate from choice, it's outside of judgment. And because it's outside of judgment, we can be open about it because we can't be criticized for it. And when we open about it, that's when we can be open to receiving the support and the care and the guidance that we need. Because mental health is from the outside in. Mm. I've never seen it like that. To be, that's really interesting. It's a different, completely different perspective than I've ever thought I've ever been told. Or, Tim, that's actually Thank fantastic. You. I really appreciate you opening up. And it's some definitely something to reflect on. Um, I mean, Tim, just just while like while going back, I know obviously you can't say too much in your current situation. Now I'd never want to pry in that door, but a lot of us in previous episodes have, have mentioned our own mental health struggles and not yes. being able to go out and and talk to someone. So we've not wanted to talk to someone, or we've maybe not known an avenue to go down. But it was quite interesting yeah. how you said you went from people walking through your door wanting to talk to you, obviously when you were independent and now having to break down potential barriers with people who don't necessarily want to speak to you in the elite industry and obviously yeah. not going into too much detail about your employer and things like that did you have any do you have have any sort of references to obstacles that you had to overcome that maybe we could flip it on that side of things and think of how you broke down those barriers and got people actually talking when they didn't really want yeah. to talk yeah well you know first of all i just say you know to to speak openly about difficulties with mental health is super gutsy, mm -hmm. especially when you're a young man. So, you know, I, I acknowledge that and I'm, you know, I'm, I'm awed by it to, to have the courage to, to be open and just say, look, th this is something that's been hard for me. And, and I think in a way, the reason why it's hard is because people don't see the split because they almost think you're, you're standing there going, I've got a problem with mental strength. That, that's what people can hear, but that's not the truth. Having struggles with mental health is completely different from having struggles with mental strength. And, you know, I, I just really want to reiterate that, that distinction. Um, and I think, you know, why wouldn't people want to talk 
about it you know i mean this is not i mean this is not even my day job you know this is why in general do people not want to talk about this stuff i think yeah. a lot of it is because they don't know the difference between the two and they they're scared that they're going to be judged or criticized maybe also it's it's because you know when you're feeling a little bruised you become more sensitive to criticism and you yeah, become definitely. more scared of being judged so it's, it's kind of a vicious circle you know, that's all very well when you're feeling confident. You're like, well, you know, I'll, I'll tell you what I'm good at and I'll tell you what I'm bad at. No problem. When you're feeling confident, that's easy. But when you're feeling a little more fragile, which all of us are from time to time, it's quite a lot harder to do that because we don't have the reserves. Um, and, you know, and and sort of on that note, I, I, I would also hope that that one of the things about mental health and looking at it in this way is that hopefully in those times in our lives when we are experiencing good mental health and those of us who experience longer periods of mental health than others hopefully have the humility to be grateful and recognize their good fortune in either being surrounded by the right people or having the right sort of safety barriers or whatever the case may be. Um, you know, that, that, that just as, just as people who who struggle from time to time with mental health can can be forgiving of themselves and caring of themselves i think when people are having a good run they need to be grateful and they need to be humble mm -hmm. definitely yeah, yeah you don't you, yeah you, you don't know how lucky you are to have never or never had a real low in your mental health like people don't understand that like yeah. when i've had times in my life where i've not had before i ever had a low or yeah. what compared to some of the lows that I've had, yeah. I, I probably had no or very little sympathy for people who had. Yeah. And it was yeah. probably what you're alluding to around, I was judging people for on mental strength, not mental health, definitely. Right. And I just didn't have that self-awareness that yeah. one day my life might not be perceived as what I think is perfect. And I'm going to come into my own struggles. And luckily enough, as you grow up and, you stop thinking that the world is all all revolves around yourself from being a kid to an adult you understand mm. and and luckily I, I'm, I'm at a stage where i've got great people around me we're doing this podcast for example to try and make sure even just us as a group of mates get to yeah. sit and talk about how we feel and we're yeah. trying to encourage other men just to the first step is going look i just need to talk mm. I, I might i'm struggling a little bit can I just bounce some ideas? What's going yeah. in my head? That's yeah. it. And then try and speak to people like yourself or other experts out there who can help people then take the next steps, whether that's doctors, whether that's being more active, whether that's counseling, psychologists, whatever that might be, yeah. that helps people on that next step from I have a problem or I'm struggling with something. Now I need to do something about it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, my mom used to tell me when I was a little kid, I'd, I'd never get lost in the supermarket because like the minute I, I was out of sight, I'd start crying so loudly that she, she'd just find me instantly. Yeah. And, you know, I, I, I mean, she didn't tell you I was 15 at the time, but, <laughs> but, but I've always tried to remember that because I try to be true to that. You know, yeah. I try to be true to like, d don't guts it out. You know, there the are times not to be mentally strong. And, mm -hmm. and 
you know, I've tried to remember when I'm when I'm starting to feel bad, I want to I want to cry for help. Yeah. That, that, that's a that's a really brave thing to say. And lots of men don't realize that. And yeah. we as a three on this on this podcast, and there's nine of the lads are involved in the podcast and we'll talk at various times. Yeah, they all or all of us, we've all had times in our life where we haven't opened up. So it, it's great that you had that skill or that instinct from a, a younger age yeah, to think yeah, something's yeah. not right and and you'll mock it obviously saying 15 crying and good joke but around yeah, that true. that idea of yeah, yeah. just speak up that's the first yeah. thing you can do is just speak up yeah. tell someone something's not right because very quickly even if you think you're alone you're probably not that's the thing and there will be people out there who want to help you and want to make sure you're all right yeah yeah so tim we're going to move on slightly so what mm. we want to talk a little bit about, so this is absolutely picking your brain around. Yeah. So we are all now Sunday league footballers, right? We all Gross. play at a pretty crap standard nowadays. What Speak positions? Yourself. Speak for yourself. I'm, I'm still 24 stone, but I could play championship. No bother. <laughs> Good. So yeah, what positions was, do you play? Uh, I'm now a centre midfielder. I've played a few right. positions growing up. Um, I used to be I used to be quick and I used to be a winger, but I'm definitely not okay. quick now. So, a centre mid. Well, a six or an eight. An eight, definitely. Eight. I can still do an eight. Okay, all right. <laughs> I, can, I, can, I can still I can still do an eight. Six. None your mid to late. Yeah, yeah. I'm still going back. Right. I'm going back to a six more. I can feel it, and it's horrible. It's the fact yeah. that you can't do the third man run. Like you look at it, and it's like. The ball, yeah, the ball's going forward, and it's that thought in your head going, "If I go there, can I get back?" Yes. And the yes. thing is, nowadays, <laughs> I can't get back. Well, at least you can get there. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. yeah. Where are you Do playing? You yeah, so so I'm a goalkeeper. Um, uh-huh. Being a, I've just, I think I was like in school. I think I was just the fattest kid, and they were like, "Put him in goal." <laughs> and I thought I'd be, yeah. I thought I'd be half good, and I just wasn't. But being such a big <laughs> lad. Like, Goals, I'm not gonna lie, especially throughout the bravest yeah. position. Yeah, it's yeah. mad. Me, the grand always said you've got to be mental to be a goalkeeper because you put your head where you with. need a special. Yeah, yeah. I've been yeah. very good friends with some goalkeepers. You need a very special mentality for that. Do, do you know what? Right, playing football my whole life, I haven't ever met a normal person who's a goalkeeper. They all have a little bit, a little bit of that, like that. <laughs> Who no wants to fear. play goalman? Yeah, who wants who wants to stand somewhere and someone just boop the ball at you? Like that is the worst. That's my worst nightmare. You're standing where it's pissing down with rain. Like you're just freezing cold in the goal. Why would you want to do that? You know, it's them Sunday league pitches as well. Like the the ball just bounces up like so randomly. Like you can just get embarrassed by being a Sunday league keeper. It's just I don't know why people do it. Yeah. So basically, um, basically, what Dean's trying to say is, so for people who've listened to previous episodes, I've had two of my discs taken out at the start of the year, but I was playing football last year with these lads, and the last time I played football, despite having like back issues, I got lobbed from 70 yards on a free kick <laughs> thrown off. So that's what Dean's trying to say, subtly, on the podcast. Hey, I wasn't with you. Was okay, all right. <laughs> Tim, Tim well, the ball was here. For... The ball was here. You just had to just do this. That's all he had to do. He did this. All right. Well, thanks for explaining the inside joke. <laughs> yeah, so, Ian, thank you. Appreciate that. 
and then I'll play um, the striker. Um, but uh, uh, probably something to pick your brain on would be like the um, how confidence plays a, a role in football. Um, because yeah. um, like uh, something that I struggle with. Um, yeah. certain times for certain teams, I play unbelievable because I know that I'm like considered the better player in that team. But then right. when I play for like my Sunday team, I'm no longer the better player, so therefore my confidence lacks. Um, yeah. and it's just interesting the psychology between um confidence and performance. Uh, we look yeah. at Marcus Rashford at the minute, banging, banging yeah. form. But is he a better player than he was last year, or is he just more confident? Uh, be yeah, interesting yeah. to pick your brain on that one. Yeah. Well, I, I, I'll, I'll have a go right now. So, when you're a striker, the moment before the ball gets to you, you have to be calm and balanced. Mm -hmm. When people are not confident, they compromise on that step. Mm. So there is this moment of peace that comes to a player just before the ball arrives to him. And he's generally going to be fairly upright. He's not kind of guessing where the ball's going to be. Fairly upright, very balanced. And you can just see the stillness comes over him. And then he mm. executes and he goes for it. And that's what gets compromised. That is the step that gets cut out when people are lacking confidence. Lacking confidence. And, and they go from like hard running to hard kicking and they don't have that step in between. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Did, did you have a? You been here all night. Yeah. So I'll give you the first one, Ethan. When the ball's coming, catch the ball. <laughs> you have to put your hands on the ball. I can't commit to that. I can't commit to that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Manage expectations. Did you ever play football? Yeah. Or was it just squash? No, I, I did actually. Um, I played under 10. I tried out for the, the C team, Mandine Park. Um, first practice, they looked at me. Uh, they immediately made me number nine. Uh, you know, I, I was that much a cut above the rest. And uh, we didn't, the whole team did not score a goal the whole season. Um, <laughs> our, our goalkeeper scored an own goal. I was one on one with the goalkeeper on one occasion. I stepped on the ball, fell over heavily. That was our best chance. So I have played. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, no, no. So, so that, you know, obviously it's been a learning curve for me being in an environment where the sport is not natural to me. You know, I've had to learn it. I mean, I, I, I love watching it. You know, I, I love yeah. the game. But I, I, I don't sort of truly understand it as a player. And, and I've got to remember that. Yeah. Um, but in I some ways... That that, that that's a helpful thing though right because in some way you, know, yeah. you, you don't have your own idea of well i would have done that you're looking at it objectively yeah. saying that the the the, the best or the optimized performance yeah. not just in theory because you can step back and look at the data you can look at you can really analyze it versus yeah. going well this is what i would do in that situation so you maybe yeah. have a, a fresh pair of eyes on it hopefully, you know, hopefully I, I just remind myself that I, I'm not an expert and I, I don't know this. Yeah. Mm. And, and that, yeah, you know, that, that every man versus elite athletes. Um, I, I, I was a very keen cyclist as well. And, um, and there's this website where you can actually compare yourself to the guys who ride the Tour de France. Mm. 
so you can mm -hmm. see and you know with it being cycling you can really see the exact comparison mm -hmm. and you can compare every single stage every single player i mean every single cyclist and the answer is they are so much better than you you know yeah that's yeah. Just, levels that's just there's levels they are much 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 better than you and and yeah. i mean you know no, no shame in that um but 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 i think that's it, it can be hard to appreciate in a sport like football where they they just make it look so easy mm -hmm. um and in a way the better they are the easier they make it look yeah exactly uh, you know I, I suppose one question i have around it right so i'm i'm surprised no one said it yet so, so i i was at a club when i up until i was like 16 and yeah i didn't make it obviously because i'm doing the podcast and I'm not one of your your clients at Chelsea for example right <laughs> um I it, it, it's that balance between talent and hard work so yeah. I growing up I seen people who definitely should have made it 100 yeah. percent. they had yeah. all the literally all the talent in the world and some of my friends who are footballers mm. definitely weren't the most talented but yeah. were the most committed hard working definitely had the elements of luck because I think to be an elite athlete in any sport, there is still an element of luck because you have to be seen by the right people. You have to have the right environment, whether that's home life, family life, the ability yeah. to train, there's an economic part to it. And I know football kind of gets away from that slightly, but it's not cheap to play football. It's not cheap to travel around the country and play for top teams. It's not, especially at sort of youth level and things. So I'd be interested in understanding um your your sort of thoughts on talent versus hard work and yeah. what again the everyman uh, i'm going to contextualize that to the everyman yeah. like you might not be the most talented at something but actually if you put the effort in over time with consistency you can achieve great things yeah and and then uh, you know for me i would ask what are those great things um great point you know i i'm I'm a member of Ashted Squash Club. We're this little squash club, you know, in the town of Ashted, um, mm -hmm. and kind of know everybody at the club. And one of my mates called Baz, he's in his mid eighties and he still plays squash. And the other day I was I was walking past, you know, watching him and, and someone played a drop shot to him and he didn't get to it, but he he made a good strong step in the right direction. And I thought, you know, if I can be like that when I'm in my mid eighties you know that's yeah. awesome I, I said my aunt she's one of my sporting heroes you know absolutely um amazing because she's healthy and she's strong and she she's um you know she she she's agile and and she gets out and has fun and and tries and works and and to me those are the great things yeah. um mm. and maybe you know I'd, i've sat with someone who won the world cup and he went so what you know, and, and that's, I mean, I, I sat with people who've won Olympic gold medals and they've gone, oh, what was that about? And, and, and that is where I do feel very privileged to have actually had those conversations because people think mm -hmm. this is the ultimate dream. You know, they, they, think, they think it just can't get better than that. And they think it's life changing. Well, you know, it, it isn't even so, so never mind, you know, and, and then. If, if that's not life-changing and if, if an Olympic gold medal is not life-changing, well then, you know, what goal of mine, like that, that I want to get promoted from the fifth division to the fourth division, you know, how's that going to change my life? 
Um, So so then I think to be really clear on what is the goal and what is the purpose of sport and Mm -hmm. friendship, companionship, um, uh, the opportunity to learn, um, the opportunity to to move, uh, you know, and we get back to breathing and breathing being good for your body and, you know, your body being good for your, your health and your mental health. Well, so is moving. You know, moving is this also this profound thing that affects you in ways that we don't understand. Sport is an opportunity to move. It's an opportunity to express ourselves, to feel powerful, to, to change the world. Um, and then you've got the health side as well, which is also great. So, yeah. um, you know, for me, those would be the great things. And, and my ambition, you know, for anyone playing sport is keep doing it. You know, w- would you rather be a, a millionaire athlete who's earned, mm-hmm. you know, 10 million pounds and never play sport again after the age of 30 or someone who works an ordinary job, but is fit and healthy all their, you know, their whole lives. Um, mm. Yeah. So. It's, it's interesting that you say that, right? Because if you were to ask the everyman, naively, yeah. most people will bite your hand off at the first one. Yeah. I want the money and I don't really care about the, the, the sport and the health. Yeah, and and I think a lots of people would say that. Yeah, but what what you're saying is probably that that deeper thought around that you're you might be a millionaire at thirty, but you could live yeah. another 50, 60, 70 years. Yeah, yeah. What are you going to do for the rest of your life? Like money's yeah. not actually yeah. the answer. It's it's as you say, it's the the act of doing, the act of getting all that great feeling when you exercise and that great feeling yeah. when you're out and about doing things to never have that feeling again it's worth yeah. more than money yes and you know I'm, I'm 50 so i'm i'm kind of on that journey mm-hmm. and and i i feel incredibly grateful you know and i don't know when i'm going to do my calf or you know twist my knee or whatever i don't know how long i'm going to be able to play squash for I mean, I hope for a long time, but I don't know. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I'm very grateful for the fact that I can. And 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 it, for me, that is priceless. You know, I I, I really love it. And, mm. you know, I mean, I, I wouldn't I mind. I think so coming back. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, I was waiting for you'll still take the money sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, Tim, I was just going to say, going back to what you were saying before about, like, the, you know, the player that won the World Cup and then said, so what? And, you know, the Olympic yeah. medalists, I think. A lot of people yes. have these sort of end goals. Um, yes. And when they get to the end goal, they realize that it, it it's sort of meaningless. You know, what's the next yeah. goal? And I think, you know, I've always struggled with my weight loss. I've always yo-yo dieted. You know, okay. I'll go on 1,200 calories, get as low as I can. And when I right. get to my goal weight, I celebrate by eating. And yes, I've yeah. got the 12 stone. Now I can go. Whereas now I've sort of changed and I've, and become a healthier person. So I just make healthier choices. Um, you know, right. what would a healthy person do rather than having that goal? Um, and I think it's something that's massively helped me, you know, enjoying the journey okay. rather than the destination. Yeah. Okay. And, and I mean, an example of the, that choice, what, what would it be? Like, for example, um, <clears throat> I wouldn't cut out now. I wouldn't cut out all, you know, un, what you would consider unhealthy foods, chocolate and stuff. Um, right. I just make better choices. So, you know, rather than before, I would go and get a, a multi-pack of Kit Kat and get four and eat all four of them. I'll have yeah. one, but I'll just have it as part of a healthy, balanced diet rather than right. cutting out foods and craving them at the at the end, you know? Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
and then being a healthy person and and, and that's an identity yeah it's just who you are yeah yeah taking the stairs instead of taking the escalators and thing on school you know i think a lot of the every man and and it's only from mainly from the conversations we've had it's a lack of awareness and education so we constantly have uh, ethan you had a debate with slater one of our uh our friends on the other podcast who's a pt and it was the the calories in versus calories out if you if you just stick it calories in calories out you're always going to lose weight that was the the debate constantly in our in our group chat and then ethan was talking about then like macros and all that sort of I stuff. I think it was the night how, nighttime and, eating, and wasn't the it? Time, the nighttime eating and yeah. things and how that makes a difference. Because right. I, I think for the everyday person, there's so much information on online. People are always trying to sell you stuff. Yes, so yes. there's all these new ideologies around or people are always trying to come up with creative ways to convince someone to buy their program and what they're, they're saying, where yeah. it's just too much noise for people to know is actually healthy what isn't healthy what's the right thing to do what what's actually going to do me more harm than good yeah. and they're the things that we're trying to explore through our conversations and just to try and provide some some real answers for people where people don't feel like they have to listen to one influencer or another or another yeah yeah i you know i i think i think on this issue of weight i i i think I think some people are are lucky. Um, you know, some people it, it's easier for them, mm-hmm. and I think the people who are lucky don't often see themselves as lucky. They see themselves as being disciplined or you know, like whatever, ha- having some sort of ability. When I think a big chunk of it is luck, um, because I think bodies are just different. Um, and then I, I think the other thing that I try and do is. I think to acknowledge that we only have a certain amount of motivation and that amount of motivation, you only have a certain amount of willpower and, Mm -hmm. you know, different people have different amounts, but you have a finite resource of willpower and that willpower has to be spread over everything. You know, it's got to be spread over getting you up in the morning, getting you through your job, um, you know, making sure that you pay attention to your family and, you know, nice to your friends and that kind of thing. And it's got to get you exercising and it's got to help you resist temptation and make the right choices and blah, blah, blah. So mm-hmm. what you've got to do is you've got to be very careful with your willpower and don't waste it. And, you know, if I was sitting here with a, you know, something unhealthy and tempting, maybe I can use my willpower to not eat it. But then I've used up a whole lot of willpower on something that if I just hadn't been exposed to it, I wouldn't have had to have used that willpower in, in the yeah. first place. And, yeah. you know, I, I, I think um, there's that line in the Lord's Prayer, lead me not into temptation. And, you know, if, if I can be careful and protect myself from situations where I would have to use willpower um, and sort of structure my environment to to uh to 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 not have to use motivation or not have to do hard things um mm-hmm. you know i i think that's part of it as well definitely 100 percent. again never looked at it like that be fair tim i mean just while, while we're on that as well and obviously we've touched a lot on sort of weight and diet from our perspective and obviously you're yeah. saying sort of 
you're, you're touching 50 and obviously your aunt as well who was a massive influence and she's still playing now did yeah. does she i don't want to ask too much private information but does she or yourself prescribe any sort of um specific diet or you know to stay in that sort of zone where obviously fair enough uh, not to sound disrespectful but he's on at the lead of your game but he's want to play at the the, the top of where you can yeah. be at your age yeah, and obviously yeah. your age do you do any yeah. specific do you do anything um different than probably someone else would that maybe people can take away from this and sort of reflect on yeah yeah um yeah i i i couldn't specifically speak for my aunt um who is a fantastic cook by the way um, <laughs> so that's for her. um but i i think maybe you know so far at, at the age of 50 there are a couple of things that have worked for me um and the one is and you know people are probably not going to want to hear this i don't drink any alcohol and, mm -hmm. you know, when I was a teenager in South Africa, nobody had heard of anybody who didn't drink alcohol. You know, I was considered to be a complete weirdo not to drink alcohol. But something I said to, to one of my sons is, even if I was a light drinker, let's say I had two beers a week. That's 100 beers a year. I'm 50 years old. How many liters of beer of alcohol would my body have had to have processed by now? And yeah. the fact that I just haven't done that, you know, the older I get, the more sort of pleased I am with that decision I took, just don't drink anything. And, mm -hmm. you know, and, and that's kind of partly mine, my experience, but, but there's a lot of research to, to suggest that alcohol is as bad for you as smoking. Now, there are all yeah. these educational programs and don't smoke and, you know, everybody knows that. But somehow, this whole like alcohol industry is completely under the radar. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it's probably not what people are wanting to hear because alcohol plays a role in socializing and, you know, and, and getting together with friends, relationships and, and that kind of thing. Um, but I think there's got to be a better way. Um, so, you know, that, that's just getting the part out of it that people don't want, probably don't want to hear. But, you know, I'm, I'm just going to take this opportunity to say what I think. Um, yeah. I haven't regretted that decision for a moment. Um, then in, in terms of food, uh, I, I think what I'm always looking for is food that makes me full. Because I don't want to have to use willpower with food because I've got very limited willpower when it comes to food. You know, mm. my, my, my one weakness is, is rice cakes, chocolate covered rice yeah. cakes. And, my wife buys a pack from Saints, from Tesco's, you know, once a week, and it's gone in like five minutes. It's gone, and then she keeps buying it because she sees me eating it. But if she never bought it, I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't eat it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we've <laughs> all, we've literally all been there. Literally, yeah. my wife. No chance. <laughs> and I'm almost like, sorry. At least not semi-healthy. My addiction is just cheese. Eating PR blocks right. of cheese. So talking about like. But it's the same principle you know it's the same principle if it's there i'm going to eat it and then I, i'm almost saying to myself well well let me just eat it now then at least i won't eat it later you know that that's sort of my let's just get this yeah, over and I, done with you know i do the exact same as that yeah that's so i do not want to be using willpower because i have limited willpower mm. so i've got to be using anything i can not to be exposed to willpower so the one thing is just don't have it there and it's much easier 
to not buy something in the first place than it is to not eat it when it's sitting in your fridge. So that would be my one comment. And then my other comment is if you can eat food that makes you full. And because when you're feeling full, you're feeling satisfied, you're not having cravings. And Mm. that's a massive, massive one. So if you can find food that satisfies you, gives you energy, makes you feel full, then you're not going to have cravings. And then you don't have to use willpower to overcome cravings. Because in the battle between cravings and willpower, cravings will always win. Mm. And and the problem is people think that it's their fault that the cravings have won. It isn't. Cravings always win for everybody. So don't blame yourself. Just don't be in that mm. situation. Yeah. Yeah. It's You know, it's even little things, right? I don't know if any of you have experienced this. So do you know if you do the food shopping? So sometimes we'll do the food shopping online. If I'm yeah. hungry, yeah. the food yeah. shopping's very different when I'm hungry versus if I do it when I'm full. So yeah, yeah. when I'm full, we're into salads, more lean meats, veg, yeah. like no junk food. Hungry, it's like, yeah. oh, the biscuits are on offer. There's some chocolate there, there's some crisps there. <laughs> and it's but it's probably even little things like that to mentally have a process. If whatever you're trying to achieve to make sure you give yourself the best chance when you're doing the food shopping, yeah. for example, to Absolutely. not make silly decisions, isn't it? Absolutely. And, and you know, even in a way, for sure, it's a silly decision. But in yeah. a way, we have to acknowledge it's a human decision. And yeah. we have to, we've got to stop kind of pretending that we are people that we aren't. We've got to yeah. acknowledge that we are vulnerable to temptation, that we have limited willpower, and that we will be subject to influence. And and that's your best chance is to accept yourself with your limitations and your weaknesses and then kind of work around those rather than just trying to like bulldoze through. Live in denial and deny it. Say, that's not me. Oh, that's a mistake. And then punish yourself for making a mistake when actually that's you. You just need to change maybe some of your decisions around the way you behave. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So my I think current as well. So, sorry. sorry go for, go I was just going to say. I was just going to say, Tim. Just when you were talking about the the alcohol thing before, it's like the yeah. only the only drug that when you tell people you don't take it, they think you're weird. Um, point, I yeah. mean, we we discussed last week about the um, about our sort of alcohol problems, and um, Lewis is abstaining for a year. He's trying to go a full year. Um, okay. yeah. I'm trying to, which is the start of the rest of my life. That's the plan. Oh, yeah. The start this year oh. to never again. Sure. Um, and then mine, mine's not as bad as that. Mine is I'm only drinking on specific occasions. Um, so okay. I won't drink on the weekend, but like yesterday I went out. But when I do, I'll have one pint per hour max. Um, okay. And when I was out with my friends yesterday and I was having that one pint and they were like, yeah. you're not finished your drink yet. You're not finished. And I was like, no, I'm just taking my time. And they're like, just have a drink, just have a drink. Yeah. And everybody yeah. always trying to encourage you. I didn't, I didn't do it yeah. in the end. I've, I've had one or two pints less than what I'd planned on. Um, but yeah, yeah. You, you're definitely right to say what you're saying before, where everyone thinks you're weird if you're not yeah. the one that's drinking, you know. Yeah, but, yeah. Um, it's yeah. definitely helping me. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's it's it it's it, it's a funny thing. I never thought yeah. of it like that. But you know, it's the only drug. If you don't take it, people think you're strange. Yeah. Yeah, it is. But like, since mm. I've been telling people, like, I, I don't want to drink and things, it's, e- it's even work, right? Because work, social life is built around after work, we'll go to the pub, after work, yeah. we'll go for a few drinks, or 
like Newcastle played yesterday, for example, everyone went yeah. out on the drink and yeah. it's hard as a, especially I'm not a female, so I can't say it's, it's hard. It's harder for a man than a female, mm. but as a, as a, a male, our social life is all generally built around going to the pub or going out on the yeah. drink. Like it's trying to change that as I've got older of maybe like the other week, me and my brother, we went and climbed some mountains in the lakes and okay. what a better experience that was than Gosh, just going to the no. pub and spending a hundred odd quid on, on beer and feeling crap the next day. Yeah. Yeah. It is, you know, I've, I've never, yeah, no, I, 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 it's interesting to hear this. And, and I also think, you know, maybe something that's changing is non-alcoholic beers and non-alcoholic drinks. I think yeah. they, mm -hmm. they're better than they used to be. And, mm -hmm. You know, a friend of mine, he'll always have a non-alcoholic beer and he, he says he likes it, you know, and, and he says he likes mm -hmm. the taste and sort of fits in socially and yeah, that's his solution. Mm, yeah, it's, it's a good idea. Time. Yeah, me too. I might, I might try that because I like the social aspect. I don't yes. like the effects it has on me and I don't Gosh. like the fact it's just a waste of... I, I just find it now a waste of time. Like you're out drinking, but it's the next day. Like you feel yeah. horrendous, hungover. And if you're trying to be healthy or trying to be on a diet, right. it's, it's like that thing when you have one biscuit, you eat the packet, right? If you go on the, yeah. on on a night out, the next day, your diet's out the window for at least a week. Like oh. on an alcohol session last week, um, Dean was talking about how it might be in a diet point you made, but it was around your diet always starts on a Monday. No one starts the diet on a Tuesday. No one goes, or it's yeah. always the first of the month. If it's the second, mm. I'll wait till the first. And it's all those little things just to try and give yourself a chance, really, isn't it? To not yeah. fall into those traps. of Because it's so easy to self-sabotage and those sorts of things and try and keep yourself on track. Mm. Okay. So, Tim, we are going to move on to sort of our last section with you here. And, oh. and this is all around... So, so some some great insight from you tonight. But if we were to summarize some of the things we've kind of talked about from yeah. your perspective, what do you think yeah. some of the things that the average man can do to improve their health? So that's both mental and physical. What are the types of things that you, do you think that men can do to become more healthy? Okay. Um, all right. Well, you know, I, I think on the on the mental health side, <clears throat> I would say that distinction between mental health and mental strength is really important. And, yeah. you know, sometimes we do need to be mentally strong. And that's when we can be demanding of, of ourselves and we can be critical of ourselves when we need more mental strength. But that's a short-term game. And then you need the mental health side of things where you need to uh, be looked after and you need to look after yourself. Now, the interesting thing about mental health is that you can actually be strategic about it and you know the 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 for me the the foremost authority on mental health is the psychologist martin seligman and he's got this uh, perspective uh, that what makes for a good life is he calls it perma he says positive emotion engagement relationships meaning and accomplishment those are the five things that everybody needs for mental health and, you know, you can look it up and there'll be a lot of YouTube videos on it. And, and I mean, he's written a couple of books on it. The concept is perma or flourishing. And the, the, the man is Martin Seligman. Um, mm. So he's kind of the number one expert 
But the thing is, when it comes to finding positive emotion, engagement, relationships, meaning, and accomplishment, you've actually got to be strategic. And being strategic in some ways takes mental strength. So you've got to be motivated. You've got to be focused. You've got to be confident that it's going to work to go and put yourself in the situations where you're going to get influenced and going to get the outside in that is going to give you the mental health. So these two things, they're not separate. They interact with each other. And sometimes you need mental health, mental strength to design an environment that is going to give you mental health. And, mm -hmm. and then the mental health, it's much easier when you're feeling mentally healthy to sort of use mental strength because you've got reserves. So, you know, just, and so, so that's the one thing is to say, you do need to be strategic and it helps to kind of have a little bit of insight or know what's going on. And, and, you know, this Martin Seligman guy, he's an amazing sort of lifetime of work that he's done. Um, and then the other thing with the mental health would be just that acceptance that we are, we are human, we are fallible, uh, we are, we have limited willpower and not to, not to sort of imagine that we have these unlimited reserves or that we should be somehow immune to temptation or, or, you know, stress, um, mm -hmm. and, and that hopefully can let us be more forgiving of ourselves. Uh, more humble, but with that humility comes to be strategic. Um, mm. So that really would be my comment on on mental health and mental strength. Um, when it comes to to physical health, um, you know, in some ways the gateway, like I said, I, I think is breathing, it's movement. You know, those are are kind of a connection between our, our minds and our bodies. And then we had a con, you know, we were talking about eating, and and I think eating it, it's really important to again uh you know like you said Lewis you, there, there are times when you make better decisions than others so can we make those decisions in those times and avoid yeah. temptation and you know my, my sort of final eating tip was was find something that satisfies you and I mean just just fairly randomly I've I've recently discovered um fava bean flour and um, fava bean is a, a, it's a broad bean. Now, not everybody can digest broad beans. Um, you, you've got to have a particular sort of gene that, that, um, that enables you to digest it. But if you do, you know, but fava bean, if, if you can digest it, it's this really sort of nourishing, satisfying flour. Um, and I have a, a fava bean and oat pancake for breakfast every morning. And I mm. sort of joke with my wife that, you know, this is, breakfast, lunch, and dinner all in, in one go, because it really does leave me feeling very satisfied. And when I'm feeling satisfied, I don't have cravings. And, and you know, that's a whole sort of easier side of things. Um, yeah. So find something that works. And, you know, at the moment that works for me. Um, and then, you know, the, the last thing I'd say on the exercise side is less is more. And I think one of the major obstacles to exercise is thinking that, because you haven't done it for a while, you've got to do extra. And then mm. you don't feel like doing the extra and then you don't do it. And then yep. you don't do it. And then you think you've got to do extra, extra, and then you're less likely to do that. And my strategy is the longer I've gone without, the easier my startup session is going to be. And, mm. and, and that's a big one. So really remember less is more. And if it's just going for a walk or it's just spending five minutes or seven minutes or something, just do something. And again, it's, it's, you know, be kind to yourself and, you know, acknowledge yourself. And, uh, you know, again, to go back to cycling, I, I read, I, I read the, 
the, at the time he was the head coach of Team Sky. And he said the first thing he does when he's writing a fitness program for these professional cyclists is to consider what they're doing in their daily lives. And I thought, well, these guys are full-time professionals. You know, what could they be doing? But but he's still prioritizing their daily lives. And then, well, what about us? We've got jobs. We've got families. You know, we've got mm-hmm. hobbies. We've got friends. Yeah. Mm. You have to take that into account as well rather than just imagining that somehow the exercise is going to happen. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, and, you know, for me, the thing with exercise, exercise is a long game. Um, you want to be doing it when you're my age and, you know, and I want to be doing it when I'm my aunt's age. Yeah. So that, that's what you got to think about. Um, and how can that happen? And, you know, I, I think less is more is, is, you know, a little bit often is much better than a lot infrequently. Yeah. That is some really good tips. And just when you were talking there, I'm exactly like I am that person that you're describing, and I suppose that's why you said it, right? Because that's yeah. what most people are. Yeah, I'm in a fairly unhealthy phase physically at the moment. Haven't been playing football for a while. I, I pulled my hamstring, but then I've gone down this like mental sort of probably a little bit of a hole of, oh, but I can't run how I used to. I'm not as fit as I used to. And in yeah, my man. head, instead of just going and doing a three k, I'm thinking, oh, I need to do a ten k, but I'm not fit yes. enough to do a ten k now because yep. haven't ran in mm. two months so, and, and it's yep. sort of putting those barriers in your head instead of just taking action and making That's some it. movement as you say yes yes and you know don't do the 10k and if the 3k is walk and run or if it's just walk great yeah you're getting out there mm. yeah it's really good advice yeah. i feel like ethan's got a question no, I'm just uh, I'm trying trying to digest it all. Like I say, I've I've struggled with weight and um, mental health, physical health, you know. But I'm I'm probably my friends obviously say I'm probably the most active uh, fat person yeah, they yeah. know because I that hard and you know I train like a sort of I don't want to say an elite athlete, but I wouldn't say I'm far yeah. off to be honest with him. But yeah. Uh, yeah. There's, a lot there, there's a lot to take in there, and also I'm. I'm just thinking in my head we should get your aunt on for the for an episode sometime. So I'll, quite <laughs> I'll be sure, sure so that. Yeah. <laughs> I'll pass it on. Yeah. Yeah. No, well, Tim, honestly, this has been super helpful for us as literally the everyman. Um, guys yeah. who we're just normal guys who are just trying to yeah. make a little bit of a difference in our own lives and other men's lives and you've been so insightful and we're we're so grateful that you came on and I've learned loads tonight and yeah I'm just super super happy you came no well well, thanks so much for having me and you know it's great just to to kind of hang out and talk and and you know you say you know we're the everyman and and we are and and the funny thing is the elite athletes they're everyman as well yeah you know they they happen to be very very good at one thing Mm -hmm. um but beyond that, they they good at stuff. They're bad at stuff. Same as us, you know. We we're yeah, also yeah. good at bad at stuff. So yeah, yeah. Well, Tim, just quickly, can I, I just ask one quick question? Just because that again. it's just been so. Um, one thing that I struggle with, Tim, um, <laughs> is I only play Sunday league football, and half the yeah. time I'm just on the bench. But before a game, I just cannot stop going on the toilet. Like the, yes. I don't know if it's just the nerves, and I was just wondering. 
other elite elite athletes that have the similar problem? Is there a, something that you can do to counteract that? Because um, it doesn't matter what I eat the night before. I, it's just, yes. I guess it's just the nerves, you know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I think it is. And, and rather out than in. So <laughs> you know, just go for it. <laughs> just make sure there's a toilet nearby. Yeah, yeah. Our pictures as far away from a toilet as you can get. So if you, oh, really? if you haven't gone, if you haven't gone, you, it's too okay. late. So okay. to be fair, though, you're absolutely downplaying it. We have by far the best Sunday League pitch in the whole of the Northeast by a mile. We play really? university pictures, uh, university really? university pictures, and it's okay. like they do. If it, if there's a little bit of rain, they'll actually just call the game off because wow. they don't want us to damage the pitch. Really? Yeah, it's yeah. Wow. It, it for the standard we're playing now, it's incredible. You know, it's an arm and a leg. Really, like, so. Oh, that, that's fantastic. I mean, it, it makes such a difference to the game of football to have a good pitch. It's such yeah. fun when you get on some good grass. Oh, yeah. absolutely. Absolutely. Well, again, thank you very much, Tim. We are yeah. super grateful. And Thanks for having me. Yeah, we we does um, we to... Ethan want to do his thing quickly. The he no email see no I think he does. Or Lewis to say yeah. say to cut us. Uh, Tim, I think he's just. You know, I think Lewis doesn't want me to talk anymore. I think he gets sick of hearing my voice at times. To be fair, um, but yet yeah, Tim, Not before sure you go, mate, uh, I want to say like thanks for me as well. Uh, it's really been insightful and hopefully next time you're up Newcastle this week with the same family not any fancy game of squash I'd like to see you take on Lewis um, that would be good <laughs> who can't play squash <laughs> we'll, we'll live stream that and see how bad he actually is alright definitely uh, definitely and something we just like ask guests as well I know we've picked the brains off but we'll do something called see no evil hear no evil which is yep. I know it's a film from the 1980s with Richard Pryor but Basically, just some either a podcast or a book that you've listened to or read that was beneficial to you throughout your life that you would recommend to um, someone just who was looking for something to listen to or read. Basically, um, just anything that would be beneficial if if that's all right. Yeah. Well. Um, well, there are a few, but maybe what I'll do is I'll I'll actually go for a novel. Um, mm. The novel Catch Twenty Two. And, you know, I, I was just, I, I was sending a message to my, my cousin, who's two years younger than me. We, we lifelong friends, very close friends. And, and we kind of, we bonded over this novel, Catch-22. And it, it's just a novel where, where guys, it's, it's about a, um, a, a gunner in the Second World War who's just recognizing that life can be a bit out of control and a bit crazy. And, he, and he's trying to regain control of, of, of things and um yeah I, I i love that book i love that story so you know that that would be my recommendation that's fantastic thank you tim we'll, we'll uh, get that on the list i also want to point yeah. out as well i like how dean was agreeing with you like he knows exactly what book it is and that read, he was like yeah yeah great book tim great. <laughs> i was just I'm looking sure at you heard the same catch yeah, 22 i just thought catch 22 is a good scene isn't it so i imagine it'll be a good book yeah, yeah. Yeah. I'll work, Dean. If it's got a good title, it'll be a good book. Yeah. <laughs> but that, Tim. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Well, lovely to meet you all and you know, all the best. And yeah. Hopefully we'll Thanks again, Tim. We're super right. grateful. Okay. Thanks, Tim. Yeah. Cheers. Right. Cheers. Cheers, guys. Mate. Bye now. Well, guys, we've just had our first podcast episode there with Tim, our first ever guest. 
Wow, what a podcast episode that was. Mental. Yeah, what a what an insightful guest as well, might I say. I didn't think I'd take as much away from that as as actually now sitting here just having a chat with him. You know what I mean? We've, we've well truly picked his brains. But by the way, his auntie, you know, some going at the moment from her still being active yeah, at that age. You know, I think we'll have to definitely get her on. The, I don't think he thinks we're joking. We should definitely get her on the podcast. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, that's some that. What a woman. No, I, I, I think agree. it probably keeps her young. Ah, oh, absolutely. And I, and I think that's the key, right? How many how many of us, because he posed a really good question when it was around, so many, like, what would people want? Would they want the £10 million and never play sport again? Or actually not take the money and be able to be healthy and active for the rest of your life? Serious question, guys. What what would you do? You know, go first. £10 million, mate. £10 million. Uh, no, I get the I get the point, like, because um, you you know people are bang on all the time. But my love of football, I played every day if I could, quit my job and just kick a ball and we'll go all day every day, you know. Um, but yeah. it's the love of the sport that keeps you going. And like I say, I think you know quite often with that, people that maybe you know if she was to give it up, you know maybe there's sometimes there's nothing to live for. You live for the sport, you know. So like I say, it probably keeps her young. Um, mm-hmm. Definitely, and you know, I'm looking forward to getting into you know over 35s, over 40s, and then maybe walking football when I'm 79 years old as well. You know, I uh, love yeah, nothing yeah. more than to be kicking a ball, a bit of ball on my gravestone. I tell you, I definitely don't disagree that there will be. Um, Ethan, so you've obviously just had a bit of health problems. I'm not sure you've mentioned it on this one. No, you did. You did. You did bring up the fact you had back surgery. So that's four out of four. Well done, bingo card is full um so as someone who's gone through some health issues recently when you get asked that question would you rather be healthy or have money what health issues lewis i'm fitting well i don't know what you're on about <laughs> yeah for everyone that didn't hear in the podcast i've had a back issue that's ongoing uh lewis didn't know what to do with himself there which is what i wanted i want to see him go bright red on the screen um yeah so so for me um, I think I've mentioned it before, my mental health took a massive dive, nosedive when I did be back and the fact that I've not been able to work, like I'm a social butterfly, so you know, I love love my people I work with, I love my job, um, you know, I haven't been able to go with my friends drinking, it's had a negative impact on my relationship with my girlfriend at the time, um, you know, for me, I think I'm lucky enough as well to also have people in my life who are very fit and active, who are also very encouraging, so it's not necessarily just me um but the likes of my friend ryan or my friend uh, my friend rob um and matty and people who are sort of massive influences in the fitness side of things and you know i can go to them and we can go train you know we can go to the gym and we'll go out running obviously before my back injury cycling you know i go in the sea with with dixon ryan as well so you know the, there's a lot of things i can do and if you take those elements out of my life not even the team sport like football which i enjoy the camaraderie and everything like that if you take just the basic training elements of going to the gym or going on a bike or running, you know, I don't think that there would be no point. You know, I mean, especially with Tim saying as well, um, with, with the World Cup, when I'm having the World Cup medal and saying, you know, so what? That put things into perspective because money isn't the, the be-all and end-all. You know, winning the World Cup probably is an aim for every young lad who associates with football. That's going to be the goal. You know, seeing obviously Messi win the World Cup um, this year. But personally, to me, I think, I, going back to your question, sorry, Lou, is the fact that 
I would want to train and be healthy and enjoy, I enjoy it. You know, it's not a slug for me. Um, I do get obviously what Tim said about the obviously the motivation, the drive, and sort of having the the willpower. Um, but for me, I, I look forward to getting up and going to the gym. I'm going for a swim, especially with my back. Swimming's been a massive, massive thing for me, and I've been able to go to the pool at Nuffield and all the the older men and women have been great there, and I have crap with them. So even though I've not been able to train in some aspects. Um, with my pals and as, as hard as I would like I have been able to train other aspects and I've always kept active and like you said there I think the, the, the trick is to keep active and keep going so I mean just to sum it up I think I, I wouldn't take £10 million pounds out of me sitting me arse to excuse me French you know I would want to get up at half five and go to the gym with my pals every day and just enjoy it you know and it, mm-hmm. it is a relief and I think if people if you listen to this or you watch this and you don't go to the gym or you're scared to go to the gym because you might look different to someone else or you know, you might feel like you're not ready or you might be embarrassed. You know, we've all been there. But you've got to think, like, everyone has been in that situation. Um, nobody walks in the gym and thinks they're all sorts, nigger, or, you know, sliced alone. So it's all about taking that first step. And I would, obviously, I'd bang the drum with this, I would say, um, just the first step is go to the gym, walk in the door, find something you're comfortable with and become an expert at that. You know, make friends in the gym, look on Instagram, look at sources you can trust, you know, speak to your doctors if you want to go down that route. There's so many avenues you can go down, and again, the physical side of things, and just feel good about yourself, you know, you don't have to look like the bodybuilders I mentioned, or the Hollywood A-listers like Ryan Reynolds and things like that. You've just got to, as long as you feel good in yourself, that, that for me is just the main point, and but yeah, definitely yeah. definitely over money. What about you, Lou? Would you... Would you go back to Plymouth Argyle and retire at this age for ten million pounds, or would you want to keep playing? No, not, 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 not at all. I think the older I'm getting, the more, and more I'm conscious about my health, and the more it, it actually concerns me because you, you realise you're not going to live forever because you start losing family, or you see people who are older and they, they, you, you just become more aware of it. Where younger me, like all of us. We, we think we're going to be here forever and life just keeps going on and on and on. But we've all lost family or friends where now we, we realize that. So my health is definitely more important to me than money, but my everyday actions don't show that. So when, when I listened to, to Tim tonight, everything he said and, and where he was identifying certain gaps and opportunities and things, he was talking about me. And he, he'll be talking about lots of our listeners, but the behaviours he was talking around, I could resonate with them all. So that, yeah. that's where, for me, having spent the time we did with, with Tim, it's it's probably for me to go away and really let it sink in around some of the things he said. The biggest thing for me, though, was the the mental strength versus mental health. That's the the one thing that I've never looked at mental health like that. I, I've looked at it really? as the same thing where, yeah, it's people's choices versus things they can't affect. I've always thought you can affect it all. Like if you're if you're struggling with whether it's addiction, drugs, alcohol, anger, PTSD, whatever that is, and I'm I'm not saying that to downplay it, but whatever your range of mental health uh, sort of barrier or problem is, I always thought consciously you can do something about that. But actually, the way he he framed it and put it across made me realize that's something that I have never really thought of. And that's something that I'm really keen to explore and, and learn more about, because I think that'll help me with my own 
battles and challenges that I'll have in my own life and maybe stop being so hard on myself. Mm. Exactly. I think just to cut in as well, um, something I've heard a lot of even the past couple of years, and I think a lot of people who do podcasts and are social media influencers, um, I've heard it initially on Ben Foster's podcast, things like that, is control the controllables. So mm-hmm. you can only control what's what's in your, what you can control. And whatever you think about, whether that's something at work or a home life or relationship problems, if you can't control that issue, you're going to beat yourself up to the point where you're a nervous wreck, you're anxious over it. But really, you've got to try and get past that barrier and realise you can't control that situation and you've got to focus on what you can control. You know, so mm-hmm. diet, going to the gym, you know, as Tim said, the the definition between elite and the everyman, it's, it's such a line. And, you know, he was saying about, obviously, the, the cyclists, how there's that website you can compare yourself to. And and we mentioned as well, football, when you're watching football on the TV, it's, you know, you think, I could bend that free kick in from 30 yards. You know, I'd, Lewis, I've seen Lewis do it on a Sunday kick in from probably not 30 yards, maybe 20 yards or something. But, you know, you think, how can how can they not do it? that way you can but then you realize that the stakes are so much higher at an elite level and i think tim just broke it down like you said he broke down amazingly and what a bloke i mean had a lot lot of positive thoughts to, to sort of share Brilliant. with us obviously something that we're probably putting him out of the comfort zone because obviously he's so used to helping the elite coming on chatting with us the everyman i think he was you know top draw and i hope people can take away a lot from this this episode yeah i think he was just an incredible guest for, for what a first guest in the sense of someone who came on already super passionate around mental and physical health. You could hear that in the way he was speaking. There's loads of things that I'm going to take away from it. And I'm in a really sad way. I'm really looking forward to listening to it and, and mm. getting it from that fresh perspective because <clears throat> we're new to this, right? And that whole time I was thinking, I was just listening and I was really learning and then I was like, shit, I've got to ask him a question here. Like, I, I've got to actually, I can't just let him just stop because I have to keep it going. So, yeah, that, that, that's a challenge for me moving forward, I think. It did well, mate, really well. Yeah, Lou, you, you were top draw there. Um, I want to apologise to anyone who's listening and watching. Apparently, I was dropping out a little bit with my signal. Um, and also, yeah. anyone who watches Dean as well. Dean was touching <laughs> a lot during the podcast at some point. He was like, this on camera. So. <laughs> I, I was just so in, interested in what he was saying. I was just listening. And I would, like I say, I was forgetting I was on the podcast at times because I was so interested in what in what he was saying. So, yeah, apologies yeah. if uh, uh, my face looks worse than it already does. It's looking I very have. slim, mate. You have the thing that I don't. So I've just got these hamster cheeks at the minute because I've put on loads of weight just being a fat knacker, and you've got cheekbones. So, well done. Exactly. What's the cheekbones going on for the wedding? Four weeks, mate. Four weeks. Very very good. Um, Boys, we'll wrap it there. What a great night. Ethan, have you got a message to people? What do they need to do? Do they need to like, comment, tag, share, subscribe? Do they need to do Uh, all of that? Live long and prosper. That's all you need to do. Live long and prosper. No, yeah, like, share, subscribe. Um, we'll put some links everywhere. Um, I've got a new microphone. We, won't. We, we, we can't do that yet. We can't do that yet. <laughs> all right, well, there'll not be links yet, but there'll be links on Facebook, Twitter. Um, we haven't got Twitter yet. Bye. 
Smith, you can buy us. Uh, every good bookstore you can find with. Um, and should should, you know, should we do a calendar? Like a naked one. Should we do a calendar? I did that for my yeah. girlfriend. Uh, yeah, but did, didn't she put a restraining order on you for it? <laughs> Is no. that why she's your ex-girlfriend? <laughs> yeah. Uh, so basically, I put my face, when I was fully shaven, I was looking fat, put my fat face on loads of like topless men, like models, and then did it for every month of the year. And then we broke up, so I don't know what happened to that calendar. <laughs> the calendar's definitely still in your bedroom. It's in uh, Richie's no mom's problem. bedroom. It was not been very well, by the way. Richie's mom, she's a great, not been too well, so I'm sending lots of but... shout out to Richie's mom. All right, mom. gents, Boys, we'll uh, thank you very much for tonight. Legends, yeah. what yeah. a great night! The three musketeers saved it because the other guys bottled it, but well done. Well, Thanks for having us. Bye bye. Take care. Bye,